Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. We will now go to the Body Works Plus guest hotline. I told you it was going to be dominated by basketball today with the ACC tournament March underway. But also the NBA regular season is starting to uh, near their finish. And to help us talk all about it, we'll welcome Tim Bontemps of ESPN to the program. Tim, thanks so much for making the time, man. How are you? Doing well. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing well, Tim. Really appreciate it, like I said. And, of course, you're, uh, I guess, a little bit removed of the MVP straw poll right now. I know that's been kind of a, an interesting debate all season long, right? Because Nikola Jokic at the beginning of the season, I don't know how many people really had him in the top five, but then the numbers continue to get more ridiculous. And then your latest MVP straw poll actually showed that with an overwhelming majority having Jokic win the MVP at this point in the season. Do you feel like he's eventually going to walk away with this award or do we still have a lot of time left for Joel Embiid, Giannis with the run the Bucks are making? How do you expect this thing to play out? I mean, I certainly would say that uh, Joel or that Nicole Jokic is the, the pretty clear favorite, but uh, to your point, I don't think it's over. And uh, I think the best chance of somebody to knock him off is if the Bucks continue, like you said, on the stretch that they're on. If, if Milwaukee ends up with the one seed and Giannis, is, I think generally seen as the best player in the league right now, if he continues to play at the level he's been playing at, I think it's got a chance to be a pretty competitive race. I mean, the thing that I really heard a lot in the wake of that straw poll was a surprise at how wide the spread was between first and second. I could definitely see it narrow up between now and then, but at the end of the day, if Nicole Jokic is averaging triple, du- triple double and Denver is winning the West, going to be hard to knock him off as, as uh, the MVP for a third straight season. Well, I know you're saying it's going to be a, a pretty competitive MVP race. I think the playoffs are going to be really competitive this year, too. I'm excited as hell for the postseason. I think it's going to be a lot of fun just because I'm not quite sure who is going to come out of each conference. Who do you feel the best about representing each conference in the NBA Finals right now when it is all said and done? I think Milwaukee is a pretty heavy favorite for me to win the championship and to come out of the East. I think if you look at the past couple of days, the fact that they now have a three-game lead in the loft column on Boston with 16 to go uh, probably means that they're going to be the one seed. I think we've got them up around an 80% probability of being the one seed in our projection system. And um, If Milwaukee is the one seed based off of uh, the way this is all shook out, I'll be very surprised if they're healthy if they're not in the NBA Finals. And I think whoever comes out of the West is going to demolish whoever comes out of the – or whoever comes out of the East is going to demolish whoever comes out of the West. But, you know, with Boston and Philly then having to play each other, you know, being in that 2-3 side of the East bracket is going to be so much more difficult than if you're the one seed. Plus, you have home court advantage in the conference finals. So, I think last couple of days with Boston losing, you know, overtime games to the Knicks and, and the Cavs, really good days for the Bucks, And then out West, to your point – I would pick Golden State right now basically by default, but I don't feel good about any of those teams. I think they're all pretty significantly flawed, and I think to your point about the playoffs, I think they're going to be truly fantastic on a lot of levels, and it's going to be wide open and competitive and fun, and I'm really, really excited to see what it all winds up looking like. 
Tim, West Bryan here, and you were just talking about Golden State, and that superstar is from down here in Charlotte, talking about Steph Curry. He just came back. When you look at this 7-24 and road record and some of the things that have been going on this year, do you feel like uh, something has been amiss with Golden State? Have, have the chemistry issues maybe stemmed from what happened in the preseason, or what's your view on them right now, and are they just waiting to get to the playoffs? I mean, they haven't really had their whole team for large stretches of the season. I think that's been part of it. I, they had a, a truly horrendous bench early in the year. That didn't help them uh, very much. You know, bench players tend to play well at home and, and not as well on the road. I think that certainly has impacted the Warriors. They've had some, some bad luck in some of those games, and they just haven't been very good. I mean, it's obviously a concern. Um, but at the end of the day, I just look around the West, and I'm going to take staff until somebody beats them four out of seven. And if the Warriors have their guys, their five-man unit of Steph, Clay, Draymond, Andrew Wiggins, and Kevon Looney's been the best five-man lineup in the league this year over a pretty significant sample size of minutes, um, by a pretty significant amount. And I'm just going to trust those guys to get it done until they don't because I don't trust Denver. I don't trust Phoenix. I don't trust Dallas. I don't trust the Clippers. Like, you go down the list. I don't, I don't believe in any of these teams. So I'll take Steph by default until somebody proves me wrong otherwise. You bring up an interesting point talking about Phoenix, and a lot of people felt like when Kevin Durant got there that this team was automatically a championship favorite. They won their last three games. KD hit that huge shot to beat Dallas. What is it about this team with such a formidable uh, lineup that makes you wonder about if they can get it done in the postseason? I have I have very uh, significant injury concerns about their team. Katie's missed a ton of time. Chris Paul's missed a ton of time. Uh, Devin Booker's missed a ton of time with muscle injuries. I need to see all those guys be able to stay healthy. We'll see if they can do that. Um, I don't like their depth. They've really only got three or four players I feel good about. The rest of their roster isn't very good. And I don't think they can really guard anybody when it gets down to it in the playoffs. Um, you know, if they have to play Golden State, for example, they got nobody to guard Steph. I mean, they have no prayer stopping him. Um, so, you know, and the other thing too, is uh, you saw in that game on Sunday, Dallas, um, really doubled off of KD and, and, and Booker a lot and left, you know, Josh Okoji ish, Wayne, right. Chris Paul completely wide open time after time, after time, if I'm playing them in the playoffs, I'm going to let Kevin and, and Devin shoot 80 times if they want and between them and just to make them do that game after game after game. And I'm not giving up practice threes to these other guys on the roster. And I, I just don't think, uh, ultimately, when it comes down to it, their lack of defense, the injury issues, and the lack of really any creative punch outside those two guys, I, I just don't think they're going to have enough to get through four rounds of the playoffs. But Durant is obviously incredible. Booker is a great player. If they, they find a way to do it in, a, in obviously a weak Western Conference, I won't be stunned. But... I just think there's a lot more downside to that roster in the short term than I think has initially been talked about in the wake of the trade. Tim Bontemps joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, ESPN NBA writer. You can find him on Twitter, at Tim Bontemps. Let's drive the ship back here to the city of Charlotte, Tim. A lot of respected NBA pundits 
just seem to be so down on the Hornets. And of course, right? I mean, this season has gone horribly wrong. But even when it seems like some of the more respected minds about the association compare Charlotte to Houston, San Antonio, Detroit, all the bottom teams, it seems like Charlotte still is even at the bottom of those four teams as far as a favorable destination. I understand all the angles that can exist within this question, but Tim, do the Hornets have the worst current reputation in the league right now? Are they considered to be at least close to that mark? How do you feel? I mean, I think they have to be considered near that mark, right? I don't know if mm-hmm. they necessarily are the worst, but yeah, I mean, they've been, um, you know, they haven't won a playoff series since they've come back. They've hardly been in the playoffs. They've had several pretty rough seasons in a row. Um, you know, and, and obviously, LaMelo Ball is one of the most fun players to watch in the league, and they've looked better when he's been on the court this year. But he's had a ton of injury issues. He's now obviously, unfortunately, out with this ankle fracture. And, yeah, like they need to have some pretty significant talent infusion. Now, look, maybe they get Victor Wembanyama in the draft and they have him and LaMelo and things look different, right? Um, you know, there's been plenty of other teams that for a while. I mean, Golden State, you know, we were talking about them before. They were a pretty morbid franchise for decades, right? And then staff took off and – they got Clay Thompson to Draymond Green, and then, like, voila, they became a championship contender, and they've been incredible for a decade. You know, Milwaukee didn't make the finals for 50 years. They had a lot of fallow years. They get Giannis, they get Chris Middleton, they turn things around pretty quick, and now they've been a great team for a decade. So, um, you know, it, it, it only takes one or two breaks in the right direction to put things around, and certainly this year's draft with where Charlotte's positioned has a chance to potentially do that for the Hornets franchise, but... Yeah, I mean, it's it's just safe to say that they've been sort of an NBA afterthought since they came back to the league. And, you know, I, I certainly hope somebody who grew up in the 90s watching, mm-hmm. um, you know, Alonzo and Larry and, and those and Marky Bones and those Green Hornets teams back then with, you know, rock and sellout crowds, it certainly would be nice to get the Hornets back to that kind of level. But, you know, they, they have not shown much of an ability to you know, reach those kinds of heights or interest over the past couple decades. And they're probably going to need a jumpstart, like, say, Victor showing up to, to probably change that in the short term. Oh, well, all that crazy. If we draft Victor mm-hmm. Wembanyama, yeah. it's going to go down. This radio show will melt if, if we draft Victor <laughs> Wembanyama. The NBA trade deadline, too, Tim, was interesting to me regarding the Charlotte Hornets because they didn't trade Terry Rozier. Not that there was much of a market for Gordon, but he still is on this roster right now. And instead, they traded Jalen McDaniels. And I thought that was a guy they would keep. How do you feel about the way the Hornets operated at the trade deadline? I mean, the McDaniels deal was kind of interesting. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I mean, they sort of swapped around on second round picks, which was, was semi-interesting, but I was a little surprised they gave him up uh, to Philly in that deal. And, um, you know, I like the Mason Plumley deal. I thought, you know, I think Mason's a decent player, but, uh, you know, Mark Williams, I thought needed to play. He's shown some flashes as he's gotten a chance to play down the stretch here. So I thought that was fine. Um, you know, like you said, I don't think there was much of a market for guys like Terry or, Gordon. So, you know, not using assets to get off of them in any form, I thought made sense. So, um, you know, I thought that was fine. I mean, more, more, I mean, more or less, I thought it was, um, it was sort of standard operating procedure, right? They didn't do anything crazy, made a couple small moves. Um, you could quibble on the McDaniels thing if you want, but I also don't think he's a massive difference making player either way. And they, they upgraded on second round picks. So, 
know, I thought it was fine. And, and like you said, the, the real the real change or the real potential for change is going to come this spring and in, in May, early May specifically at the draft lottery. Then that's when we're going to see, you know, just what the, the medium term outlook for the Hornets really looks like. That is the great Tim Bontemps joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can follow him on Twitter at Tim Bontemps and you can find his work on ESPN.com. Some great stuff there from Tim. We really appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for talking with us. Anytime. Thanks for having me.